guys, and welcome to the Bodybuilding Dietitians podcast. Thank you for joining your hosts, Tierra and Jack, for what is now episode number 29 of our Road to 2021 series. Before we get stuck into all of the content, we wanted to remind you guys that if you do enjoy these episodes, please remember to repost them onto your social media. Also, if you are listening on iTunes, it would mean a lot if you could please leave us a review. And if you are interested in our coaching services, you can search The Bodybuilding Dietitians on Google and head over to our website. The link can also be found on the show notes below and any of our Instagram bios as well. And just a heads up, we don't just coach comp prep competitors, we coach anyone with a health and fitness goal. So moving forward, Tierra, let's get stuck into your past week. Okay, so this past week, I did wrap up my seventh week of prep, which is pretty nuts. So been in the game now for seven weeks of dieting, which is, uh, man, it's been one hell of a time. But kicking off at the beginning of the week, I did get a lovely phone call from my doctor, and he informed me that, ta-da, your girl over here is no longer iron deficient, which is a hell of a relief. So yeah, really, really happy about that to know that my ferritin levels are now in range, which is Man, how good is it, you know, to not Mm. have nutrient deficiencies, eh? (laughs) The best. It is really the best. So, yeah, I'm really happy about that. So, I guess just a bit of like a quick recap, right? So, I got some blood work done at the very beginning of prep, just out of interest, because it's something that I've never done before, right? And I expected everything to be in range, because, you know, as a dietitian, I try my absolute best to practice what I preach eat a very nutritious diet and have a very healthy lifestyle to ensure that I'm not deficient in any nutrients. But to my surprise, it actually came back that I was iron deficient and I was iron deficient without anemia. So you usually hear that people are anemic, right? And anemia actually refers to your red blood cell count. So if you are iron deficient, and anemic, it means that you have low iron and you have a low level of red blood cells. But my red blood cell count is just fine, probably because I engage in a lot of resistance training and, you know, bone marrow and blood cells are actually made in the bones from compound movements when you're doing resistance training. But my iron was significantly low, which was just a huge surprise to me, right? But at the same time, I will admit that I wasn't eating a lot of red meat at all, right? It just wasn't a common part of my diet. But every single day I was eating other sources of dietary iron, you know, so I was eating chicken, seafood, I was eating a lot of eggs, right? I was eating a lot of oats, all all my green leafy vegetables, always having that with a source of vitamin C. And just a heads up as well, like the form of contraception that I'm on, I have an implant on and I actually don't regularly get my period because of my form of contraception. So it's not like I have a regular menstrual cycle where I'm losing iron through menstruation, but it still came back that I was significantly low in iron, which it definitely was an ego hit to to me, you know, as a dietitian, if you're deficient in a nutrient as a dietitian, that, that hurts a little bit, you know what I'm saying? But pretty much I got right on top of it. So I started taking my iron supplements. I took Farragrad C and I introduced having kangaroo into my diet every single day. Now, the thing about iron is that it's an iffy nutrient, right? It's almost as if 
the body like almost doesn't even want to absorb it. It competes with so many things despite being such an essential nutrient. So iron's going to compete with calcium for absorption. It's going to compete with zinc and magnesium for absorption. It's going to compete with fiber and phytates and different tannins in your tea and coffee. So if you're actually trying to consume dietary iron and maximize its absorption in your diet, you need to be very strategic, right? And I'm just like anyone else. I love to drink tea and coffee, you know? I love my yogurt, I love my cheese, right? I like to have fibrous foods in my diet. So when it turned out that it was like, hey, you've gotta take this iron supplement and maximize its absorption, I was like, oh gosh, I really had to think about when I was actually going to consume that. So. Pretty much first thing when I wake up in the morning, I always have a cup of coffee. So that was a no-go. I wasn't gonna have it on a fasted stomach in the morning. And then at breakfast time, I always have some cheese, which has calcium in it, so I'm not gonna interfere with the absorption there. But what I found is that the best time for me to consume it to maximize its absorption was on a pretty semi-fasted stomach, right? I'd finish breakfast around 7.30 in the morning, and then I wasn't having lunch until 11.30. So I would usually have my iron supplement around 10 a.m. to make sure that hopefully most of my breakfast had left my stomach by then. It wasn't gonna interfere with any absorption. I wasn't having any tea or coffee at that time. And then at lunchtime, in order to get another source of dietary calcium in, I like to have a lot of yogurt. So I still wanted to leave a good you know, hour and a half gap before I was gonna have a lot of calcium at my lunch. And the reason why I actually didn't opt for having my iron tablet later during the day is one, because vitamin C assists with the absorption of iron, right? But the iron tablets are usually very high in vitamin C as well. So I was taking Farragrad C, which had like around 135 milligrams of elemental iron, which is really high, right? Like I think the recommended daily intake for a female is around 18 milligrams. So this is like super high dose. Plus it has 500 milligrams of vitamin C. And we know that, you know, taking very high dose antioxidants, particularly around the time of your workout, can potentially interfere with muscular adaptations, right? And also VO2 max. I actually did a big presentation on that back in Union like 2016. So I didn't want to risk that because I'm like, man, I'm doing a huge workout in the afternoon. I'm not risking having high dose vitamin C as well. Plus at nighttime, that's when I was trying to get in more dietary iron through my kangaroo. And we know that you can only really absorb a certain amount of iron or calcium or zinc or magnesium at once because the transporters in your gut can only absorb around 100 milligrams of those nutrients at once. So if I was trying to have my iron tablet and my kangaroo with the iron in it at nighttime too, I wouldn't necessarily be maximizing my absorption across the span of the day. So anywho, bringing all this background, what I'm really trying to say is that if you really wanna maximize your absorption of iron, you do need to take it on a fasted stomach. And you also want to make sure that it is a way particularly from meals that have high amounts of calcium, you know, and high amounts of tannins and fiber. And so you gotta do a little bit of thinking around, right? And also take into consideration if your supplement does have a high amount of vitamin C in it too, when are you taking that in regards to when you're training during the day as well? So I just thought it was pretty neat. You know, I got to kind of nerd out with my supplementation, but either way, it was fun little tasks, but hey, you know, iron levels are back up and they're gonna stay up. So 
Overall, if I've learned anything from this, it's that you don't know until you know, all right? So I highly recommend that even if you are super healthy, right, and you feel like you're ticking all those boxes and you have a very nutritious diet and a great lifestyle, you never know what's actually going on under the hood until you test for it. So I would strongly recommend that you actually get some blood work done, maybe every six months, just to double check that everything is in range. Because honestly, you might be surprised that you could be potentially deficient in a nutrient that you wouldn't have known of otherwise, right? And you would have never suspected because for example, in my case, right? I'm not a menstruating female. So because of the form of contraception I have, I don't regularly get my period. So I'm not losing any of my iron through my blood when I'm menstruating. Also prior to adding in kangaroo into my diet, I was pretty much eating every other food that is touted to have heme and non-heme iron sources in it, right? And I was always consuming that with a source of vitamin C to maximize its absorption. And guess what? It still wasn't enough. You know, like I still was not getting enough iron into my diet because I just wasn't consuming red meat. So man, it really does make a strong argument that if you want to ensure that you have sufficient ferritin levels and you have sufficient iron status, you need to be consuming some red meat quite a few times a week, or you probably do have to be supplementing with iron. Like, it's, it's really tough. And also the other thing is that I recognize that my levels might have been a bit low because I am a regular blood donor, right? I always go every three months and I donate around a pint of blood. So it's around, it's close to like 500 milliliters of blood every three months. But the thing is with that is that when they test if you are eligible or not to donate blood, they do a little finger prick test and they only measure your hemoglobin levels, right? They don't directly measure whether or not you are iron sufficient or not, right? Hemoglobin is just a type of protein within your red blood cells. And generally, when if you are within range for that, you are eligible to give blood. But this whole time, because I'm not anemic, because my hemoglobin levels are still sufficient and they've always been sufficient, right? They're like, oh yeah, sweet, you know, you're eligible to give blood, but man, they were pretty much sucking me dry of my iron and I didn't even know about it. So <laughs> I have learned a lot from this, but yeah, guys, cannot recommend enough, okay? Just get some regular blood work done every six months just to tick that box, double check that you are not deficient in anything because like we've said, right? Like life is better when you ain't nutrient deficient. But anyway, overall, the rest of my week, it's been good. It has been another cracking week of prep. I did get a new low with body weight of 65 kilograms. And my previous low from the week before was 65.3. So down by 300 grams. But the truth is, is that, man, I just feel like I need to push a little bit harder, right? I'm estimated to be around 15 weeks out right now. And in order to achieve my predicted stage weight of around 59 to 59.5 kilograms, at this point, I really should be losing a bare minimum of around 400 grams per week. And I'm not gonna lie, you know, it is kind of frustrating because I feel like the scale, it's not necessarily reflecting my physique. Like if I actually took scale weight out of the picture and was just solely focusing on how I looked, 
I'd be really freaking happy, you know, because again, comparing progress photos from this time last year when I was 15 weeks out right to now, I'm like, man, I'm in a much better position despite being like two kilograms heavier. But at the same time, I'm not a fool. You know, I still fully recognize that I do need to balance my physique. And I also need to acknowledge that my scale weight still needs to be going down. And man, I'm still in a very good position to keep pushing. I'm in a very good headspace. So I'm up for it because you just do what you got to do. So my new macros, which I started from yesterday on my five lower carbohydrate days running from Saturday until Wednesday are now at 225 grams of carbs, which is a 25 gram carb drop. And then I'm going down to 35 grams of fat, which is only a five gram fat drop and keeping protein at 160 grams. And then on my two high carbohydrate days on Thursday and Friday, I'm just keeping my carbohydrates at 350 grams, which is good. So very achievable, you know, already done it yesterday, already did it today as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's fine, you know, and the reason why I'm actually keeping my protein intake higher because last prep, I actually kept my protein pretty static at 140 grams throughout the entire prep, which is most certainly sufficient. You know, that was keeping me at over two grams per kilogram of body weight throughout the entire prep, but I'm actually purposely keeping it at 160 this prep because I actually want to be able to consume more dietary iron every single night. So actually having close to 200 grams of kangaroo every single night to make sure I'm getting in that iron. So yeah, those are my new macros and uh, excited to just, you know, keep pushing along, but just really happy, you know, where I am sitting right now, body composition wise, headspace wise, recovery is really good. You know, training performance is still really good. So still ticking along, still putting in the work, but, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just excited, you know, to keep pushing forward. Yeah. I definitely know what you mean in terms of the scale, not reflecting your image. And cause I definitely think you've leaned up visually and it can be frustrating when, when the scale doesn't match that or mm-hmm. the skin folds as well. Yeah. Cause the, I feel like the skin folds for me, like the scale is moving for me, not as much skin folds. Mm-hmm. Which, which objectively isn't a good sign, but I know it's it's just not matching up. I know I'm losing fat and not muscle. <laughs> I know. I'm pretty confident that you're losing fat and not muscle too. But it's weird because, yeah, it's, it's on the flip, right? Like mm. your scale weight's progressively going down, but skin folds are a little bit slower. My skin folds are going down quite significantly, but scale weight's kind of like, you know, just taking its sweet time. <laughs> yeah. And I guess my, I'm sure the listeners will be interested you said you've dropped calories a little bit. So how have, what does your day of eating look like now and how have you compensated for the lower energy? Yeah, so I guess I did make it for, through my first seven weeks of prep without cracking out the popcorn maker. But now with this new carb drop, Air Pop popcorn is back. <laughs> but I guess, you know... Uh, I love the noise of it. <laughs> yes, it is a little bit loud. It really complements the ice cream and, you yeah, know... the blender. Yes. And the microwave. <laughs> we get home from our workouts and the whole house just turns into this chaotic, like... <laughs> anyway, uh, so I guess, you know, a standard day of eating for me right now, probably my lower carbohydrate days. So in the morning, I'm generally having an egg white omelet. So I'm having like the VPA egg whites. I usually have a whole egg with that, a little bit of melted cheese, and then I put some tomato in there and just a bunch of spices. And then on the side, I'm having some chocolate cream of wheat, which is literally just wholemeal flour blended with a little bit of cocoa powder, a little bit of cinnamon, a little bit of sweetener and water and just microwaved. And then I put some Macromike peanut butter on there. 
and then I'm having some fruit on the side. So I love having oranges. Right now I love having kiwis too. So that's pretty much breakfast. And then at lunchtime, I'm having a big bowl of oats. I just love plain oats, man. I don't know. There's just something about plain oats with a really decent sprinkle of salt on top. It's, it's really nice. You don't have No, I just have just oats you know i don't know they taste sweet to me they just i love them mm, i love you are one of a kind <laughs> i love plain oats and i cook them like hours before and let them retrograde in the fridge so they're nice and cold on these hot australian days but yeah like 100 grams of oats just sprinkled with like a teaspoon of salt very traditionally scottish that yes just salted oats really mm. Mm, wow well, i'm pretty sure oatmeal originated in scotland and then yeah yeah. Well, I know part of my family's Irish and Scotland and Ireland are pretty damn close, right? Yep. <laughs> There's some geography for you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I have my oatmeal with salt and then I have like 250 grams of Chobani yogurt or heads up guys, Woolworths just brought out this brand new high protein yogurt. Very smart by them. Has pretty much the exact same macros as Chobani and it's like $1.30 cheaper per tub. So get amongst it, it tastes the exact same and you save some dollars. So yeah, 250 grams of high protein yogurt. I usually put some nuts on there, maybe like a few almonds or a few cashews just for a little bit more fat. And then again, have some fruit on the side, maybe like another orange and a kiwi. And then after my workout, that's when I'll have some nice cream. So I'm blending like 200 grams of strawberries, 30 grams of VPA protein powder, and then 200 milliliters of almond milk. And the reason why I'm actually using almond milk, not because it's superior nutritionally to normal milk, but just simply because it's much lower in calories. So I get the, uh, it's called like the Blue Diamond brand, and it's just like 40 calories per 250 mils, which is pretty crazy. And it's just unsweetened vanilla flavored almond milk, and it's fortified with calcium How is too. How's it unsweetened if it's flavored? Well, they put vanilla essence in it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's delicious. You got to try it, man. I like, will. I used to make... I'm still on the normal milk. Yeah, you are. Lucky bug. <laughs> uh, but I used to just make my ice cream for years with just water, right? But now I've started adding some almond milk. The main purpose of that is to just get some more calcium in. But man, the texture and the flavor that it adds, delicious. And then on the side, previously I was having like 70 grams of oats again, but... I've swapped that over to around 35 grams of air pop popcorn. And that's where my five grams of fat has just easily dropped right from there, which is so easy because oats are just sneakily high in fat. You know what I mean? Compared to any other grain, they just, they sneak in those grams and yeah. um, it's kind of irritating. I wish there were low fat oats, but anyway, maybe in the future with, you know, a genetic engineering of food, GMO, GMO yep. oats. <laughs> um, but so yeah, now I'm having popcorn with an ice cream and then, I, just, I don't think they would taste as good though because that creaminess comes from the fat. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's still very nutritious, of course. But hey, when you're trying to save a few grams. But and then for dinner, I'm usually having my kangaroos. So anywhere between like 175 to 200 grams of just kangaroo mince. Jeez. And then depending on how many carbs I have left over for the day, because like my portion sizes for certain things are always the same, right? Like always have 100 grams of wholemeal flour at breakfast, 100 grams of oats at lunchtime, 35 grams of popcorn, right, post-workout. But depending on the size of my pieces of fruit, right? So like depending on how big an orange is or how big a kiwi is, 
different things like that, that's going to dictate how many carbs I have left over at dinner. So with that, I just really take the amount of carbs that I have left over and I just use it towards hella vegetables. So I'll usually stir fry my kangaroo mince with like some Jap pumpkin and some green beans and just like salt, pepper, rosemary. And then I usually have a really big salad on the side. So I'll have like cucumber, tomato, cabbage, celery, kale, carrots, a, a whole bunch of different vegetables, right? And then I usually flavor that with balsamic and passata and again, just some spices. And yeah, that's pretty much a day for me. And I guess, you know, at least just twice per week, I always make sure that I am consuming some oily fish. So I really love cans of Canadian smoked kippers. So I always generally have those on my rest days because they're just something about consuming omega-3s and fish, man. It's so satiating. So I always have that on like a Sunday and a Wednesdays when I'll have a, a nice serving of oily fish to get in my omega-3s. And then I guess on my high carbohydrate days, the only things that really change are just, obviously I'm eating an extra 125 grams of carbs on those days, and it really just comes from extra bananas, man. Like I just, you know, blend bananas into my wholemeal flour and I make protein cakes and it's really delicious. And like some more pumpkin at dinner and instead of the popcorn, I'll have cream of wheat post-workout. So yeah, it's really good, but I'm just loving my diet right now. You know, like I just feel so well nourished. I'm really, I know I'm ticking all those main boxes for those main nutrients like iron and calcium and omega-3s and getting in plenty of fruits and vegetables, whole grains, fiber. I just feel really satiated. Like I, at night, I'm not feeling hypoglycemic at all, which is something that I want to try to avoid for as long as possible during prep because We've all been there, guys, probably if you've been, you know, dieting for a long time and carbs get low and generally you're trying to front load your carbohydrates during the day and dinner doesn't really have all that much glucose in it, right? Sometimes you do wake up during the night a little bit hypoglycemic and it's hard to fall back asleep and that disrupts your sleep and it's not very pleasant. So I would like to try to avoid that for as long as possible. But yeah, it's kind of my uh, full day of eating, Bretta. <laughs> Very, very detailed. Thank you. <laughs> hey, I'm a dietitian. I love this stuff. You know, I really, I'm, I'm really a foodie. I got credentials in the stuff. <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> okay, well, that's enough of me rambling about food and all that jazz. But yeah, Jack, how was your week? Cool. So I wrapped up week four of my comp prep. And so last week, I remember saying that basically I had kind of hit a bit of a store with weight loss. And I expected that because... Week one and two, very good amount of weight loss. Week three, kind of expected that store where I basically stayed the same weight. And I, I predicted that this week I would see another drop. And fortunately that happened. So I lost about 700 grams on average. And I even dropped into the 85. So I weighed 85.9 on Saturday morning. It's Sunday today. So overall, very successful. My steps have slowly tapered up as well. And I've kind of done that on purpose to just... Um, until the next macro drop, just try and eke out a, a bit more, a mm. bit more weight loss. And I'm probably going to, when I drop macros again, I'll probably drop steps as well. So uh, then I kind of do that cyclical effect, mm. which to be honest, I've never really, I've never prescribed that to anyone, but I might as well try it myself and see how it goes. Do you think it will make a significant difference? You know, like let's say with your next macro drop and then you drop steps by 1,500 or something like, do you think that's enough? I think for me it is. I, and I have noticed a difference bringing mm -hmm. steps up, especially on the rest days. Yeah. I bought them up by more like two to 3,000. So what are you averaging right now? 
So I'm averaging anywhere from 12 to 14K. Mm -hmm. And that's still quite pretty, very achievable for me. Yeah. Except I don't, I don't want to be beyond 15K at any point mm -hmm. during my prep because I think that all, it's achievable time-wise and I still feel okay at this point, but I know that getting 15K in 10 weeks time isn't going to be that fun. Yeah. And like the, the issue is, is that the higher I go now, then I want to keep getting higher and higher throughout. Whereas mm -hmm. if I try that cyclical effect and rely on the, rely on the energy de deficit through food when I do the next cut, and then to keep that deficit going, as I adapt to it, I can then increase steps slightly. Yeah. Well, it's actually really nice how it works out with our lifestyle and with your routine too, because, you know, obviously we have Sam and we take Sam for two walks a day. And then we also train at World's Gym Brisbane and we live quite close. So we're able to walk there and back and you get steps up walking around that gym. But Luckily, you only train at Brisbane three times a week for all your upper sessions. And then on your lower body sessions when we're at Mount Gravatt, and obviously we're not walking to Mount Gravatt, that just it just coincides with lower steps that day. So better recovery from your leg sessions. Yeah, that's correct. And I, I usually expend a bit more energy on the leg days mm -hmm. because it's legs. Yeah, so it all balances out, man. Yeah. We're sweet. <laughs> so in training-wise this week, I finished up deload and overall I was actually really happy with how it went like I didn't go into the deload with any niggles or any anything that I couldn't do usually or well, not usually but sometimes when I go into a deload I might have something going on where I can't do a specific exercise but it was nice to still be able to do everything so same volume lower intensity and I even upped intensity a little bit towards the end of the week because I was just feeling really good and I wanted to maximize that so basically I still did the five sessions and now I'm about to enter my second block of this prep tomorrow and that'll be about six weeks. And overall in terms of that, not really any changes. I'll probably probably just be changing the Nordic hamstring curls to a lying leg curl variant. Everything else exercise selection wise will stay the same. And I wanna ask about that. So why are you changing out Nordics? because I was going into some forced back extension on the eccentric, sorry, the concentric component of the lift. And that was kind of just jacking up my, jacking up my lower back a little bit. Mm -hmm. So just for the preservation of that. And to be honest, I think lying leg curls is a better exercise for me anyway. I, yeah. I, I can focus more on the contraction and less on the difficulty of the exercise, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Because yeah. even body weight is tough tough enough that it impairs my form a little bit yeah but it's uh it's just not a good movement to do long term for me because it's difficult to add load mm -hmm. and keep form perfect like in, in a lying hamstring curl due to the machine aspect you can you can do that but it's very easy to let ego take over in the in the nordics and it's uh it's not it's not like it's the world's best hamstring exercise mm -hmm. so i can easily switch it out cool awesome yeah so I am very happy with how some lifts are going. I can tell some lifts are getting, I can like they're getting to that pinnacle of toughness mm -hmm. and RPE, and that'll definitely be the same for this block as well. So uh, barbell back squats is one. It's uh, although technically I should have good biomechanics for that, it has been a bit of a slog. And I think speaking to my physio, I think it's mainly due to like one how deep I go mm -hmm. and so hard to get out of the hole because I squat deep 
and I don't want to not squat deep just to, to get a bit stronger in it yeah. because that's partly why my adductors are so developed as well. Yeah. So like that, that, uh, that squat pattern will probably stay in for this block. Hopefully I can at least maintain it mm-hmm. and, um, and then sub it for probably Smith squats. Yeah. That's what I wanted to ask about is in terms of, do you have any numbers set entering into this next block? You know, obviously taking into account that you are dieting, like, are you still aiming to progress with weight and reps or is, are you just going to pretty much try to maintain your current performance while you continue to lose weight? Uh, particularly talking about like squats and your mm. RDLs here. Yeah. So this is a good question. And what I've done in the past is I'll usually go two and a half kilos back at the start of a new block so that the RPE is slightly lower and then progress by two and a half to five kilos in that block, depending on mm-hmm. the movement. Because in all of the movements that I do, I'm quite advanced at them. So any, I can't, I mean, obviously I would love progressing by like five to 10 kilos in a lift in six weeks, but it's, remember my blocks are only six weeks. So like yeah. it's uh, setting a two and a half to five kilo goal is, is more realistic. Mm-hmm. This time I'll be, I'll actually be starting where I started at the last block and then hopefully ending where I ended on the last block. So it'll literally be exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And so for example, for squats, last block I started at one, four, five, four, two by six. And I'll be doing that exactly the same and then progressing at the same pace this block. Because if I'm a lower body weight and I lift the same at the end of this block, then technically I've lifted, lifted more. Oh, hell yeah. Because if you are now in the 85s, right, by the end of this block, you're going to be well below 84 kilograms. And to think that you peaked in your off season at 94 kilograms, right? So it's mm. going to be 10 kilograms lost in body weight and hopefully lifting the exact same amount. <laughs> That's for squats. That's for my harder exercises. For the ones that I'm more confident in progression, things like staggered RDLs, normal RDLs, I had that little bit of a lower back scare, so I'm starting at the same RDLs number, but I might push that up more confidently. And what else? Things like maybe like T-bar row, maybe the uh, machine flat bench I'm doing tomorrow, a couple of other ones, all the accessory ones I'll confidently push up further than before. But those ones like seated barbell OHP, the squats and that's it, I think. Mm-hmm. I'll be being a bit more conservative because I know if I push too hard in that first one or two weeks, I'll probably, I might even regress the rest of the block. I don't want that to happen. The other lift I'm actually feeling good at is the hacks as well and leg press. So yeah, those are all going well. Yeah, well, it shows in your quads, dude. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so enough about training. I want to know about nutrition. So have you made any dietary changes this past week? No, I haven't. I have accidentally, which I think Tierra wants me to talk about. (laughs) Someone ran out of chicken and had to find another protein source. (laughs) Well, that sounds like... um, How does a bodybuilder run out of chicken? Come on, man. (laughs) What you just said reminds me of like at what they say at the start of an episode of a TV show where they set the scene for like I've the plot. Never, I've never, <laughs> today, Jack ran out of chicken and had to find another protein source to eat. I've never seen a TV show <laughs> say that. Well, Yet, but, at least. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> so, yes, I did run out of chicken. And that can be the um, the title for this podcast episode when you run out of chicken or body bu- when a bodybuilder runs out of chicken. A bodybuilder's worst nightmare. Yes, that's correct. That's clickbait. <laughs> and 
Yeah, so I just had egg whites. Yes. <laughs> and I found that they were much more satiating than mm. chicken, like significantly more. Like I had lunch at 12 and I wasn't even hungry at 5. Yeah. And that's, yeah, a big deal. So that's definitely something I'll be playing around with more when I have my macro drop, when I get hungrier. For now, I'm still just going to have chicken. Mm -hmm. And I also found the same. I'm still having like toast and bread and stuff mm -hmm. at lunch. And Milo cereal at breakfast. Yeah. So I'm, I'm strategically, although I could easily switch to things like pumpkin and even konjac mm. and stuff at this point, I just don't want to because... I want to taper it. Yeah, I know. Keep those up your sleeve, mm. you know, especially the konjac men. And because I know what my next macro drop will be, it'll be the week after, not this coming week, but the next week. But that's what I want to ask. Okay, obviously it's wonderful to plan ahead, but if you keep losing weight, right, at a good rate of loss, then you won't implement that, right? Because yes, obviously I you won't. don't need to. But I won't, but the because I'm going quite aggressive now at 0.75. Yes. 0.75 for someone who's 50 kilo is different for me who's 86 at the moment yeah. so that equals about 0.7 kilos loss every week mm -hmm. that's actually a decent amount and in order to stay on top of that like losing half a kilo in one week doesn't cut it although that's a decent amount mm -hmm. i need to be more it needs to be more than that otherwise i'm going to suffer yeah. towards the end it's amazing because so. like your rate of loss i would be like one if i was losing at the amount that you're losing it would be too quickly mm. but like half a kilogram per week i'd be ecstatic with that but you're like not good enough <laughs> yeah and like to be honest if i if i didn't do the math and i would someone was like yeah you got to lose 0 0.7 kilos per week i'll be like wow that's that's quite a lot mm -hmm. i don't know if it's good to lose that much but when you do the math i'm not even doing one percent which i could still get away with i'm doing 0 0.75 mm -hmm. because i have time um so 0 0.5 percent of my current body weight is around 0 0.7 kilos so. yeah do what i actually was thinking is that throughout this entire prep you're kind of always going to stay around 20 kilograms heavier than me right yeah. because like right now i guess well you're you're in the 85s right i'm 65 but i'm predicting my stage weight to get down to around 59 you're probably going to be around 78 79 somewhere around there uh so you're kind of i guess we're both know we're both gonna always be staying on track as long as we keep that 20 kilo distance right yeah that's a very good method yes <laughs> so that's pretty much it from me really I, in terms of other nutrition things, I'm also quite happy that I'm not getting too hungry in the evening. Like my, my evening meal is probably the highest volume wise, but the lowest calorie, which mm -hmm. helps a lot. And it's also decently high in fat. And one thing I don't want to do this prep is go below 60 grams of fat. And on top of that, I, from the start of prep, I started tracking, I, sorry, I didn't track fish oil and I, I never have. So I'm currently taking three two gram tabs of fish oil so that's six grams total which at least will stay con constant so technically my current fat intake is 66 grams mm -hmm. but i don't want it to go, go below 60 grams because one i found that fat is really important for satiation for me mm -hmm. especially when i have like a carbohydrate dense meal and whether or not it makes a difference hormonally like yeah that's the thing right like I would argue that obviously there is a bare minimum for fat, right? And I would say the bare minimum is around 0 0.5 grams per kilogram of body weight. Like I would not feel comfortable with someone going below that. Like I don't plan to take my fat below 0 0.5 grams per kilo of body weight, 
But I just, I put such an emphasis on actually the quality of the fats that you're getting rather than the total amount. And also, man, when it comes to hormones, I would argue that when you are dieting down, your body's ability to maintain reproductive function is more a reflection of your total energy availability and the total amount of calories you're consuming, not just the fatty acids, Mm. right? Like, Potentially. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure the literature supports that too. Mm. You know, like even if well, guys... other things as well. I've tried, like I've accidentally forgotten to add fat to one meal mm-hmm. and I felt, I got hungry straight away after, whether yeah. or not that was a placebo. Oh, I'm, I'm the exact same. If mm. I don't have fat in a meal, I do not feel nearly satiated. Yeah. And also the digestion things as well, especially when my fiber goes up mm-hmm. and my fat goes down. Yeah. Yeah. I don't <laughs> recommend trying that. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I just feel like there's this particular number, especially for females in the fitness industry that, you know, a lot of coaches don't want to drop females below 40 grams of fat per day when, you know, people will, you know, without even thinking twice, drop carbs well below 100 grams per day, which I think is nuts. But it's like almost like this 40 gram number, right? Like that's the bare minimum, but they don't actually go beyond, okay, where are you actually getting your fatty acids from, Mm. right? So that's the thing. Like someone, yeah, sure, they could be consuming 40 grams of fat per day, but it's all just coming from like peanut butter and, you know, some chicken skin and stuff. They wouldn't even take into account that, you know, their fats, like they're not even consuming omega-3s, right? From fish or from seafood or from nuts and seeds. I think a common one is having like a lot of eggs and a lot of fatty meat as well. Mm -hmm. And that's like some people have say, oh, my fats are low. Let's have six eggs a day to, to get that up. And that's not all, but a lot of it is saturated fat. Yeah, exactly. So look at the quality of your fats, right? Are you actually getting it from more mono and polyunsaturated sources from things like olives and olive oil and avocados and nuts and seeds and seafood, all of those wonderful foods rather than just focusing purely on the macro? But yeah, I just, I really think that people make that argument. They're like, oh, you you drop below 40 grams of fat per day. Like, yes, I understand if you are dropping below 40 grams of fat, you're definitely pushing someone in a diet. They're probably on pretty low energy as a whole. And I think that that low energy as a whole would dictate their reproductive function in the long term, chronically speaking, because they don't have much energy at all. It's not just purely the fats, but you want to make sure that if someone is on a low fat intake, like sub 40 grams, that they are being strategic with when they are consuming that fat. So making sure you are having like five to 10 grams of fat every time that you eat a lot of vegetables or a lot of fruit, right? With plenty of colors in them because those types of foods have fat soluble vitamins in them. So you need to be strategic with the timing mm, of your fat. Don't just get it all at one meal. Yeah, man, don't just eat my big peanut butter sandwich and then like all the rest of your meals are just like just pure protein and carbs. Yeah, I try to get different source at every meal Mm -hmm. yeah dietitians over here thinking about the nitty-gritties right but it makes a difference due to your health yeah it does anyway okay so that's that but jack wrapping this up what do you want to improve this week so i just want to set a really good foundation for this new block so uh go into each session confident hit the reps i need to hit and then that'll set me on a good tone if i finish this week in a good headspace for like feeling confident for the next five weeks then that'll be really good Mm -hmm. what about you yeah so i think this week i think i've said this in previous weeks before but man you can never practice posing enough i just really want to keep 
practicing, which I am doing every single day, but just keep improving day by day my IFBB bikini posing. I've really got my routine nailed down with Steph now, which is awesome, but now we're moving on to the walk. And man, stage walking, it's tough, right? Like you gotta pop one hip and pop one shoulder at the same time and then roll the shoulder back and like your toes turn outward and you gotta bring the sass and Oh, all these little things. So it's like learning to walk again, but I'm just so damn determined to just make it very graceful, especially because I've just got really long legs, right? So like walking can either look really good with long legs or it can look pretty atrocious, just like a giraffe, right? Mm. And I don't want to look like a giraffe. So yeah, I'm keen to just keep practicing my stage walking with her and that should be good. Yeah, that's what I want to improve. Perfect. Wonderful. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening, guys. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to repost it onto your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag Tierra, tag TBD. Leave us a review if you liked the episode and we'll catch you guys next week. Bye.